you that, uh, that are going to use your phone, you can just flip over to NLT, because that's what I'll be using today. But um, that's for later on. But um, anyway, we'll read it together. Here we go. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will, be all, uh, will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as, as you love me. <clears throat> Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. Amen. Lord, I just want to, one more time, God, just be the, be the lamp unto our feet as we read these, these um, as we dive into these scriptures, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right. So, okay. This is just a fun side note. Um, Jesus is praying, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the significance of him praying, right? But, uh, you know, you know when, uh, when you pray with some people, and, and um, I know that I've been this person before, and in the middle of the prayer, you're, you're kind of like, ang uh, not anxiously, but nervously saying, yes, Father, Father God, I love you, Father God. Well, Jesus does it here. There's like multiple times where he says Father. So it's okay. I'm not saying he was nervous, but it's cool that, that, that you know, we can really come to the Father the way that we need to in our own language, and Jesus does it his own language. So that was just kind of a fun thing. Okay, let's look at this first verse. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. First off is going to be praying. Let's just look at that. Guys, this is a prayer. This is important. Not a to-do list, okay? This is not a to-do list or something to strive for. Something, it's something we need to be encouraged, comforted, grateful for, and humbled by. That Jesus is praying for us. That's something first off we need to, to remember. That you guys are being prayed for by Jesus to the Father. He is the advocate. This will be the result. This whole thing we're about to go through is going to be the result of what God is doing through us. Not what we should be striving to do, if that makes sense. And the reason why that's important is because I think sometimes we make Christianity a to-do list. We try to put together things that we need to do, and if we don't do it, then we fail. Or, or the other way around, where um, we are nailing it, we feel like, and we're <coughs> winning. And here's the reality, is that whether you're failing at the to-do list or you are um, winning... It doesn't really matter because what we're talking about today is not even a to-do list anyway. He's not saying that you need to go and accomplish this. He's saying, I'm praying for this to be accomplished. And I want you to know this, that when Jesus prays, things happen, right? 
We don't see Jesus praying and then it doesn't happen. We see Jesus pray and it happens. So we can be comforted today as we look in through these scriptures to just know that this is going to happen and it is the result and the evidence of God working in our life. And where it says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all. Let's look at for all. Not only for the disciples, not just for those that he's talking to or praying for at that moment. But he's praying for all, not only for the church, not only for us in this room, but also for the world. He's praying for the world. He desires for the world to accomplish these things as well. This is what he wants. He wants this to happen for the world as well. And then it says, for all who will ever believe. I love the way that he, that, that it's, the NLT says, is uh, how it's written in the NLT. Because it says, for all who will ever believe. Like, when you, when you think about this, it's not just for all that, um, that hopefully will believe, but that will ever believe. I like the word will because God really believes Jesus knows that there's going to be a movement that's going to continue on for ages and ages until one day he comes back that is going to um, change the world. We're, we're part of something that's going to change the world. Just remember as we look at this as being a prayer one more time is this prayer is for you. It's for me. It's for all who will ever come to know him. But ultimately, through your obedience of sharing the gospel, how will people ever know him if we're not sharing the gospel, right? So for all who will ever believe in him, the goal is, is for us to be the ones who are sharing that. So even though it's not a to-do list, like I said, it's a prayer that God is going to see accomplished, but it is going to be the evidence of us following the Lord. So when we follow the Lord, we're going to share the gospel. Okay, so that's that first verse. Let's look at the second verse. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. We're going to camp out a lot on this all be one because this is a big deal. Okay, so Jesus didn't come to save a bunch of individuals. Okay, this is actually really difficult sometimes for us to understand because, um, I mean, many of us have been saved in, in church um, experiences where uh, maybe maybe there was an altar call. Like I grew up in more of a Pentecostal world, so they would say, you know, this is the gospel. If anybody wants to come up and, and receive Jesus, come up and... Uh, you know, and Jesus is going to change your world and it's going to be amazing and all these things. And, and he loves you individually. He loves you so much. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't love you. I want I want first off before I move on to the rest, because I'm not going to talk very much about individual um, uh, gospel and, and, and all that. But I want you to know right now, just let it sink in. Jesus loves you individually. Yes, he does. OK, so if I say anything that makes you think the opposite, I'm telling you right now. He absolutely loves you individual. But I don't believe that that's why Jesus came and died on the cross. It wasn't for individuals. It's for one. It's for one church, for one bride. Ultimately, when you look at Revelation, it is to purify the bride, to sanctify the bride. So 
This is a mind change when you think, when you think through these, this lens. This lens is, is helping us understand that when things happen to me, which by the way, things are happening to me if you guys haven't heard, right? Things are happening, right? And when things are happening to me, I can easily, when I think individually, I can say, God, what am I doing wrong? God, why are you not coming to my rescue? You know, my kids could be saying the same thing individually, but we all know that as a family, when you are actually, uh, so like my blood family in my house, we're all kind of striving together to try to figure out how we're going to go to Starbucks to go to the bathroom or whatever we're going to do, right? So we have a thing that we are trying to figure out. If somebody, if one of my little kids is having an issue um, where we need to take care of it, well, we're all going to try to help take care of it. And I have an amazing family for that because I have multiple older <laughs> kids, even adult kids that are going to college living at our house, and they are so incredibly helpful. This is a family together. Like, it is a great I'm not saying our, our family's perfect by any means, but it is a great vision of what Jesus is wanting for the family, you know, and we are the family, right? We talk about that at Soma. And so um, we're all helping each other. So it is a one unit. It is, right now what's happening in my life is actually a B family problem, okay? It's not a branded problem. It's a B family problem. It's the whole household problem, right? Even when... Like, let's say I get sick or my wife gets sick and now my wife has to like for a couple days rest or whatever. Like, it's a whole family problem. Think about that, right? It's a whole family problem, especially when the mom gets sick, right? Because now we all have to figure out how to cook and make things good and make things clean. She's so good. I mean, I don't, you don't have to be a woman and clean and cook and all that stuff. I'm not going to say that, but I will say that she's amazing at that, okay? And she makes all of us look absolutely horrible. Uh, when, whenever we try to do it without her. Whenever she goes out of town, it's a nightmare. Seriously. Um, my kids step up and they make me look good, but that's the only way it ever gets done. So, um, but here's the deal. It's like when one person is down, uh, all of us should feel it. All of us should experience the hurt. And yet, at the same time, somehow while one person is down, we might have somebody in my household that is having a great time at youth group and, and has amazing things happen. Like my, my son Noah is doing great in college. Like we should be also at the same time <laughs> celebrating that he's doing great in college while being sad that our plumbing doesn't work or whatever it is. Like it's okay to have a whole gamut of emotions and, and processes that you're trying to go through. And so I think that's important for church uh, family, and especially I even think for Soma, because we have actually, um, and again, I know I'm only three, four months into this now, but I know that, that, that there has been a big shift since COVID and all these things where a lot of things have changed. People have left, some people have come, but it, there's, there's been you know pains and, and hurts and all these kinds of things that have happened, which by the way, you guys are like every other church in the, in the nation. Honest. So just, just so you know, you're not alone in that. This is just a normal thing right now. Churches are, are hopefully coming out of the struggle, but they were struggling intensely for a while. And it's important for us to realize that because there are some other people at our church that are doing awesome. And they, I don't think they do feel guilty, but they might feel guilty by saying, hey, I'm doing awesome. 
By the way, you should be saying, I'm doing awesome, and it's because of your faithfulness to me and your faithfulness to God. We should be celebrating the good things, working through the hard things, you know, all of those, you know, uh, supporting people or, or um, you know, um, helping out. You know, I know that we're doing all kinds of things with Dope Church and all that stuff. There's a ton of people outside of the church that need help. We should be doing all these things. And that is not... And, the way to understand that is because we are one. If the whole body's not working together, then actually we're not achieving the thing. And I don't think achieving is a good word, but I can't think of a better word. Achieving what God's prayer is ultimately wanting to see. Jesus didn't come to save a bunch of individuals, but he came to save one unified bride. Unity is the goal. Unity is the goal. Now, of course, unity looks a lot of different ways. Um, unity is, uh, I think we can just start very simply. First off is going to be, Jesus is, he uses the, 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 um, the understanding of him being one with the Father. We need to also be one with Jesus as Jesus is with the Father. So there is a reality that you need to individually be one with Jesus, okay? But he makes it very clear in the rest of the scripture and what we read two weeks ago is that literally um, together as a, as a family is just as important and if not the ultimate goal to be one with Jesus. So you almost can't be one with Jesus without being one with the bride. It's almost impossible. Okay, when you think of marriage, when you think of marriage, and um, this is like something that will be said at a at a wedding, where you become one flesh. Okay, and the understanding of one flesh is obviously more than just the thing that happens when you get married in the night that happens. Okay, um, but it also is what you end up forming over time through. Um, you know, struggling with living together and having to deal with, uh, you know, the different, you know, uh, personality traits and, and, you know, if anybody's Enneagram, going through different Enneagrams and trying to figure that all out or whatever, you know, you can fill in the blank. But there's, you know, me and my wife couldn't be any different. We're so different. And yet, as we have been married for 21 years, I think we're on our 22nd year. I think, I think so, right? 21 years. She's not here, so we're good. Uh, am I 21 years? No, I think so. So it'll be 22 this thing. I am, yeah, 20. We just celebrated our 21st year. Anyway, so, uh, but as we've been together for that long, we are becoming more the same in a lot of ways. I don't know if you guys have noticed that with any of your guys' marriages over the years, but we actually become more the same. We start thinking the same things, and it's not because I'm thinking it for myself, but it's because I am adopting and adapting to what God or what God is doing through her and what God's doing through me, and we somehow become one. And I would even say we become something different than what I was individually and what she was individually. Completely different, actually, over the years. And so um, that is exactly the same way to understand the oneness with, with the Father is what he wants to, or not one with the Father, but with Jesus. The bride with Jesus is going to become one flesh as well. It's going to be the same thing. So how can we become one flesh with Jesus ultimately if we're not becoming one flesh together, right? So that's, that's just... To me, it's mind-boggling because I'll tell you one thing. What I love, 
when I start looking at it this way, instead of saying, God, why, oh, why are you doing this to me or whatever? I can say, God, for whatever the purpose is, I pray, Lord, that you will do it. And I, I will say, do it swiftly, please, Lord. Do it quickly because I don't want to deal with it anymore. But if you need to use my situation to minister to other people, and not just you guys, but we have other believers in our life that also are pouring into us and, and in, in encouraging us through things and having to struggle through, you know, how do I help you? You know, that's whatever. So, and I know we're all in these boats, you know. I know there's a lot of people with need here that we've all helped out, you know. We get... You know, whenever, by the way, if you are in need, we want to pray for you. We want to take care of things for you if we can. We want that. And that is part of what the family does. That's how we become one. So that's why I wanted to camp out on that for a little bit. Uh, where it says, uh, the next part says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father. As you are in me. This is a picture of the Trinity. We are not the Spirit. Okay, I am not the Holy Spirit. You're not the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit inhabits inside of us. And so since that happens, we become not part of the Trinity in the sense of being God. But we are a, a, um, uh, a an image, I guess, of what, you know, the... The Trinity, as we work with Jesus, as Jesus works with the Father, you know, with the Holy Spirit in us, we become one Trinity type idea. And it's a very difficult thing to understand, but I, I hope that I'm going to do the best I can to explain it. Um, so this is a picture of the Trinity. We are not the Spirit, but inhabited by the Spirit. Individually, yes, we are inhabited, but most importantly, again, together we become that thing that is part of the Trinity. Okay, the next part says, and may they be in us, okay? The relationship Jesus had with the Father and the Father with the Son is now extended to us. So this is even a probably a separate concept here, but the relationship that we see that Jesus has with the Father is pretty uh, awesome, right? Like we, we see that he is constantly having a relationship with the Father constantly, right? He extends that to us. So before Jesus ever was here, that was not available to the believers, to the to the, the Jews. That was, you know, to have a relationship with the Father like we can have right now was not available. So we actually have something that's so special now that Jesus came and died for our sins and now the Spirit inhabits inside of us. But I want to tell you this. He, you have that individually, but more importantly... Together, When you are together, when we are worshiping God together, when you're praying together, when we are lifting up our, it says, um, inhabit our praises. When we praise, he inhabits those things. Now, praise is not just songs. Of course, we can go into all of that. But I will say that as we are lifting up prayers and lifting up praises and lifting up, you know, I, I Justin uses, uh, what is it, words of grace or um, stories of grace. When we share evidence. stories of grace, what? Evidence, evidence of God's grace. grace. When we share those things with each other, he inhabits that. And we are challenged and encouraged and all of the things are happening at that moment. You can't do that if you're not talking to anybody. Right? You're not doing that if you're not actually honestly sharing yourself. See, uh, there's, there's another problem is, is as humans, we have all different kinds of personalities out there, but there are some 
I'm this person, by the way, that um, we just like to talk. We just like to talk. Darian likes to talk. That's my sister. Thanks, yeah. I've learned to not like to talk as much because my wife is so quiet that I have to be really quiet in order to really hear from her. So I've learned to change that about myself, but I love to talk. I, I process out loud is what you would say. Um, and so, but here's the problem, is that sometimes in my talking, I'm not really thinking about the things that I'm wanting to say, and so I'm not always able to portray what God's really doing in my life because I'm just talking, right? So, but then there's gonna be those that are a little bit more obvious where they don't wanna share anything with anybody. And all I'm gonna say is that we're both flawed, okay? And we're missing out on something that God really wants to do in our life, which is to become one. How do we become one? We communicate. Either we communicate with less words or we communicate with more words depending on your personality. But we need to communicate. We need to share these things. We need to invite each other into our lives. I need to do that. Yeah, it's good. Um, and then the last bit of that, that verse says, and may they be in us that the world will believe you sent me. A unified church is the image that God wants the world to see. I want you to think about that for a moment. Right now, the world sees a bunch of churches that don't get along and don't like each other. I mean, it's, it's true. Now, I don't think that's in every region. I don't think that's in everything. But there are quite a few that don't like each other. The most popular Christian YouTube people that you listen to are somebody talking bad about another church or another pastor. And that is an absolute proof and truth. You can look it up. The most popular Christian YouTubers are going to be those that are ranking on another Christian church or another denomination or another whatever. Um, that's scary because that is what the world is seeing. Let's just say somebody is like, I want to know about Jesus, but I don't want to go ask anybody because I have a pride issue and I don't, you know, they don't even know they have a pride issue, but I don't want to ask anybody. I'm just going to look it up on YouTube. By the way, YouTube is the, the biggest uh, search engine there is. So if you want to find something, they don't go to Google. They don't go to Safari. They don't go to Firefox, whatever the other ones are, Chrome. But what they do is they go to YouTube and they put it in and they're hoping that they're going to learn something about whatever they have written down. So if somebody puts in Jesus or Christianity or pastor, if the most popular things are the ones that are ranking on the other ones, that's what the world is seeing. That's scary. That is not the posture that we are being prayed for. The posture is that we will become one. We need to be, I'm gonna say that one more time, a unified church is the image that God wants the world to see. Not a fragmented one. When fragmented, we are like a scattered puzzle piece. You guys have ever put together puzzles with your kids? It's kind of fun, but they always lose a puzzle piece, so it's never really that satisfying in the end. But let's say you're putting together a puzzle, and um, you have puzzle pieces on the floor, and you put them all out there, and you're trying to do it. How It takes you forever, right? But some puzzles especially kids' puzzles, if you flip them around, they'll actually have numbers or letters to help you know where they're at, okay? Um, that makes the puzzle way easier to put together, right? 
But that's what's, that's what's happening is when people are looking at the church, they're seeing a bunch of scattered puzzle pieces. They don't have the time or even the care to try to put it together. They just want simply salvation from Jesus if they're actually seeking for real. And the problem is, is that we're complicating it by being scattered puzzle pieces. If we could be a unified church, if we could be something where somebody, where they actually look up and they just re realize, oh, they're all just people that love Jesus and it's amazing. And that's the only thing they got away, for, uh, they take away from, um, you know, searching something or meeting a Christian, then people's lives are going to be changed far more than they are now. But we are a confused puzzle mess on the floor. That's what we are right now. And when together, when all together, we are the intended image that whoever the artist is, and that's obviously God. He is the one who makes that image. Let's look at verse 22 and 23. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, that you love them as much as you love me. Um, where it says, I have given them the glory. Jesus gave us glory so that we will be drawn to each other. Just as much as he is drawn to the Father. So we talked two weeks ago about glory and how we experience glory. How God actually glorifies us. He's glorifying you as you get saved through the Spirit, okay? And the Spirit in me and the spirit in you should draw each other to each other, right? Anyway, draw together, right? And so one of the things that I see on a regular basis that we need to make sure we're not doing, and I'm not saying that you guys are all doing this. I'm just saying what the scriptures say. Okay, that's all I'm doing. But basically what I see a lot of the time is I see that people... Um, Actually, when they say, when they don't want to work with somebody, when they don't want to um, minister with somebody, or they don't want to, uh, you know, have some kind of connection with them, and they're a Christian and you're a Christian, in a weird way, what you're saying is, I am actually trying to, I want to mute the spirit in you, and I want to mute the spirit in me. Because what the spirit is going to do is like a magnet, and it should connect you. It should bring you together. So instead of, and I'm guilty of this, I always want to plant churches. I love to plant churches, okay? I've done it now five times. And uh, I love to do it. Why? Because I'm also an entrepreneur and I like to start random businesses that never take, take off, to be really honest. Uh, you know, I do have one business that's taken off, praise God, but that's because God's been in it the whole time. But I like to do all kinds of things. Well, and I'm not saying my church plants have all failed, only one of them, technically. I don't like the word fail, but whatever. Um, but my point is just saying is that I like to do it, but sometimes I have to realize my motivation is because I just want to start something new. I want, I want to have my own people or my own thing. And one of the cool things about coming here to Soma this time, you know, um, well, coming to a church this time, but specifically Soma, is that we are, uh, we, we do more of a plural type ministry model, which means that we have multiple elders that run this church. It's not just me, it's not just Justin, not just Steve, not just the other Justin. 
Um, but what we are actually doing is we're doing it as a as a unit, and we're and we're having to wrestle through things. But then also, we are helping each other with each other. You know, my gift is 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 used, and then somebody else's gift is used. There's all kinds of things that are happening, and I am actually seeing a really cool picture of the oneness of 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 God because, uh, or the oneness of the church, and that is because I'm not trying to have my own thing. You know, so one of the fears, I think missional communities are amazing, but just make sure that your motivation for a missional community is not just to have your own thing, but actually to to draw people back to the people. You know, like when you go and share Jesus with people and they come in, you can't think that you want to keep them. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I have kids, right? And so. It's, it's kind of a hard thing for me to say this because all of my adult kids still live in my house, so I can't really fully say this, but I'm actually, surprisingly, no one would admit this and would say this, is I actually am the one who's saying, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm more the pusher. Like, I'm like, you can go, you should go, you know? They don't want to go, so that's fine. And I like them being home, so I'm not really pushing that hard. But the point is, is that I've learned that I need to let go. I need to, once I raise somebody up, I need to send them to go and either do another work or to go be with another group of people, whatever it is. But it's not to keep, right? You can't do that to keep. And so um, I'm just using this as an example of just trying to connect that sometimes we can become very clicky or very separate and we want to keep with our people, but we're, we're missing out on what God wants to do with them with the grander scheme, which we're going to talk a little bit more later on in this month. We're going to talk about scattering versus gathering, which those are the, the lingo that we use. And scattering is essentially the missional communities and all that kind of stuff that we do around the city. But then gathering is what we do on Sunday morning, on Sunday night for worship nights. But it's also gathering when we gather with multiple churches in town too. There's so many, so much more that we can do to become one. And it's super Important, and, and I would even say it's almost more important for us to realize that Jesus died for the one church than just me or just my little group or whatever. Um, it says, uh, may they experience such perfect unity. God is glorified by unity. But what's really cool is, but as God is glorified, Unity is easy. Okay, so this is something that is, I think a lot of us are asking the question, how do we get to know? How do we, how do we work with other churches? Like, Brandon, you're telling me that I need to do this or that I should do this. By the way, I said it wasn't a to-do list. I'm saying that this is what God is doing, right? But here's like some more basic application is how do we actually do this? Well, we have to sometimes take the first step. We have to take the first step of whether this is unity with this church here or whether it's a unity with other churches or whether it's unity with another family, okay? Um, either way, you have to take the first step and you have to say, I want to step into unity with you. But as you do that, that brings glory to God and makes unity easier, okay? So unity at first is gonna be hard. Again, as we see a picture of marriage, 
Marriage is not easy. Some people say they have like the year of bliss for the first year. Some people do. But uh, to be really honest, I mean, I don't, I don't think we experienced that. You know, that first year was a rude awakening of that I can't do whatever I want. She can't. She never wanted to do whatever she wanted. But I, as an individual, wanted to do whatever I wanted, and I can't do that now. So, um, but what's cool is as we stepped into it, we became... God was glorified by our marriage, and as that happened, it became easier for a marriage to flourish, right? <coughs> All right. Um, okay, let's do this. Um, at the very end, it says, you love them as much as you love me. End of the verse 23. That you love them as much as you love me. Unity is a monument to show God's love to the world. It's a monument. So we just went to Israel, uh, separate, but we went to Israel. I've been to Italy many times. I used to be a missionary there, actually. Um, my family lived there for a while. Um, one of the things that you will see in these specific countries is you're going to see monuments. Um, don't get me wrong, some of them have become idols, okay? I would even say that the Catholic Church started out by making them more monuments or icon type things. And unfortunately, many of them have followed it to be more idolistic than it has been um, iconic. And so, but the idea of a monument, we understand in America too, but uh, it's, you see them far more in other countries. But, you know, we have like the Abraham Lincoln, we have, you know... I don't know, fill in the blank. But there's a lot of them, right? And so when you look at these monuments, they represent something. And what's funny is growing up, and this might be just a thing about an American high school, but I, I don't think I even know what some of the monuments stand for. I probably should know. I probably should have been taught that. But some of them I actually had to learn much later in life. You know? And I don't know why that is, but... Um, my point there is that sometimes monuments have lost their meaning if you don't know what the meaning is. And so I think this kind of concept of the church gathering or the church coming together as one, these big, we just did a big concert, or we didn't do it, but we just went to a big concert at the Tacoma Dome. Did anybody else go to, uh, I think it was called Winter Jam? Anybody else go there? Okay, so actually, me, me and uh, my family and then Darian and Justin went and we didn't actually go together We just happened to separately go that Parker, night, which Parker was fun. Too. We ended up hanging out together, which is fun But we were together in, a, in the Tacoma Dome with how many thousands of people? What do you think? Uh, lots. I'm not yeah. very good at numbers, but anyway thousands of people and there was a moment Actually, there was two moments and this is a confession. Okay, one moment was I was looking at everybody and I was, I could see some people raising their hands and doing this and with flags and whatever. And then you could see, you know, an, an, another group that was more like this, you know? And I, and the, at those moments, one of the things I go is, okay, there are the pe Pentecostals, Bethel-like churches, and oh, there's the, the, the Presbyterians, and there's the this or whatever. And I had all these like, you know, because I've been a part of church ministry for so long, like I, I, it was almost a game for me to find what everybody might have believed in those moments. But I also, this is where my confession is, is that there was a bit of a cynical mind uh, thought there where it's like, well, 
Why aren't they worshiping like those people? But then at the same time, I'm like, why are they going so crazy? Why are they doing those things? You know, like I could think so many things at that moment. This is a perfect example of unity, by the way, of me trying to process through unity, okay? And so I'm looking at all these things, and then there was other moments where people would say things from the stage, and I'd be like, I don't know about that. But then there would be other things where I would be like, yeah, I love that. But here's the most important is that it's not that I agreed with everything and not that everything there was exactly what I wanted it to be like, because by the way, it's not about me, right? <laughs> That's this whole point, right? Um, I know that Jesus was looking down and thinking it was beautiful. That's what I know. I know that he was looking at that and there was a moment that day, that night, where I was just filled with the presence of God and, you know, honestly, I cried, okay, so I don't know because you're into emotions or not, but I cried at that moment, and I knew the Lord was like speaking to me, and I don't have any specific words to tell you, but what I can tell you is that I was reminded that this was a beacon of hope that night. This was an encouragement for all who wondered if Tacoma 253 area even has Christians anymore. I don't know about you guys, but it looks and feels a little bleak sometimes. I feel like we are definitely the oddity in this town, in this area. And yet, I was with thousands of people at that place, praising God, and here I was being cynical of everybody's versions of how they were gonna do it. How wrong was I? I was wrong, and God reminded me, that's what that, what that experience was. And he reminded me that this is a beacon of hope. This is an image, this is the monument of my love. The rest of this scripture is, is important, but I feel like um, what I just shared is probably the most important thing. I'm going to read the rest of the scripture, say a few things, but I want us to camp out a little bit more on that um, once I'm done. Father, it says, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. He's talking about heaven, right? Jesus is praying for you, by the way. Again, I just said that. Jesus is praying for you that you will one day be with him in heaven. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. I don't know if I can honestly fully understand that, like what the importance of us seeing all the glory is, but that's going to happen. He's gonna show us actually how awesome he truly is. Like we only see a small amount of how awesome he is. And by the way, I think he's pretty awesome. The things he's done in my life is, is awesome, and yet we don't even have a bit of it. I think that's the best way to understand that. And it says, oh righteous father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Here's the deal, I really love this whole thing. I have revealed you to them. Jesus, what he did when he came onto this earth is he revealed God's love to us. And then of course, um, paid for all of the, the damage that sin has ever done. Now obviously physically we're gonna experience damage in this life uh, because there's still sin in this world, but he, the, the payment of the sin that you have experienced, that you have done, has been taken care of. He has paid for it. I, uh, this is kind of a joke, but we heard it on the radio. And I don't know why 
this is me being a little cynical for a moment. I'm just going to be honest, but since we're talking about unity, it's good, okay? Because I'm confessing here. But when I listen to the radio station, it's really fluffy, okay? Everything they say on, on I'm not even going to say the radio station, it doesn't matter. But the Christian radio stations are really fluffy. They, they, they say all of the wonderful things, but they don't ever talk about anything hard, ever. It's always fluffy. And um, they said on this, on this uh, radio program, said, um, God refinanced your, your, um, your life or whatever. He used the word refinance. I don't know why, but that just bugged me, okay? Because we have so many wealthy whatever people in this, in this area that they're just they're, they're looking at, oh, when am I going to refinance next? That's the lingo they chose to use that made sense. Who is going, yeah, refinance. Thank you, Lord, for refinancing. That's horrible. I've refinanced before. It's not very fun. Okay? So I don't actually have a connection to refinance as being a benefit. So I don't know. Anyway, the point is God paid for your sins. And I know that, um, I know that, that one of the things that is so important is that it says, I have revealed you to them. Jesus revealed God the Father to us, okay? But what I love is it says, I will continue to do so. And that's how we're going to transition into going into the next part, which we're gonna do communion. But this is part of the way that he continues to do this. It's not easy to be unified, okay? It's not easy. This is not an easy thing, but it is something that we need to realize that it is so important. There's some really great books out there which we can recommend some other time if you ever have a question, but I want you to know that unity is so important, and whenever you feel, this is the best application I can give you, whenever you need there's some kind of friction between you and your wife or you and your friends or you and somebody at this church or whatever, the best thing you can do is to say, God, how do I bring unity to this situation? And restoration, redemption, all of these things is part of how he does this. And so I just want to encourage you that um, if you're afraid to do it or you, you have pride and you don't want to do it, you're missing out on something so important that God has created, which is unity within all of us.